Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the FPL Fortress. I'm Jacob. And I'm Jayang. We had yet another week of exciting Premier League action, especially Chelsea's second-half domination of Spurs and David De Gea's last-minute penalty save to secure yet another away win for United. Many trusted FPL assets also had big weekends, including Mo Salah and Cristiano Ronaldo, and a few other players, especially Watford's Ismailia Sarr, propel themselves into our managerial considerations. We'll be breaking down which of these players you'll want in your team going forward and which of the big names to captain next week. And to kick things off, let's dive right into the Friday afternoon action. Newcastle 1-1 Leeds. What are your thoughts? I My transfer in last week was uh, Bamford in for DCL. Um, I had the misfortune of, I don't know about misfortune, but miscalculation of uh, bringing in DCL on my wild card the week before. And uh, Rafa, Rafa Benitez has, has turned out to be quite a big fraud. Um, but I was expecting big things from Bamford, you know? Um, Newcastle are one of the worst defenses in the league, as we'll uh, touch on later. And uh, I was expecting the tried and trusted duo of Bamfinia to replicate their performances from last season. But I have to say, Leeds as a whole, they've just, I guess they haven't really kicked things off the right way like they just watching them it's been very underwhelming that's fair but i i think you're being a bit harsh on banfinia i mean 13 points combined that's something to nothing to scoff at mm, yeah but uh it's not incredible but okay. it's it's certainly passable i don't think it's anything to complain about no certainly not but just it's just the idea of what could have been you know that's fair they've they've got a a lot of uh, nice fixtures in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, their next five are West Ham, Watford, Southampton, Wolves, and Norwich. Right. A lot of those look really, really nice. I think yeah. the bigger concern, though, is the the injuries, the nagging injuries that are on them. Rafinha has a hip injury. Bamford has a ankle injury. So yeah. we'll have to see how, uh, how Bielsa manages their playing time. I think I think none of them are are going to be serious. I think both of them are going to play the West Ham game, and we know that uh, Bielsa has a head full of hair, so I, I think we'll get uh, get noticed before the deadline. Very fair. Um, I think a, a good rule of thumb is if they have a yellow arrow, they're going to play. So I wouldn't be too worried. A yellow flag, you mean? Yellow flag. Mm. I mean, DCL had a yellow flag going into. Into... That's true. That's true. But we did learn that it was going to be much more serious than perhaps we realized before. Yeah. Okay. Moving on to Liverpool three, Crystal Palace nil. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this is just never doubt Salah, who is the undisputed FPL goat. I mean, he's he's just so good. Yeah. He has fifty points in his first five games, four goals and three assists, and he just he's so consistent. That's yeah. really the main takeaway. Yeah. You know, uh, he just he delivers when you need him. Uh, if you if you need a few points, I'll uh, he'll give them to you. If you captain him, he'll make sure it's worth your while. Yeah, I think you were saying earlier, um, in Salah's first season at Liverpool, uh, the record-breaking one where he scored over three hundred points. Uh, he scored about uh, nine points per game, and currently he's scoring ten points per game, which is astonishing. Really incredible. 
obviously I think it's not quite sustainable, mm-hmm. but you know, I think he's certainly going to have an incredible year. Yeah. And if you take a look at the, the expected goals for, for this year, uh, he has four goals. He's expected 3.54. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not entirely sustainable probably, but you know, he's, he's getting the chances and he's converting them. So I think he's going to, going to get a lot this year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, let's touch on his, uh, his partners uh, for Liverpool's front line very briefly, Diogo Jota. I mean, is there a bigger troll in the history of trolls? I don't think so. No, there isn't. Yeah, I, uh, he scored two goals in the first two game weeks, and then I brought him in my wild card going into game week four, and he just chooses to blank in, in the subsequent game weeks. Like, come on, man. Yeah, I mean, Jota, he's a, he's a mercurial player, to put it nicely. That's, that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, when when he's uh, getting all the goals, everyone thinks, oh, I'm such a genius. He's so cheap. He plays in Liverpool's attack. Mm-hmm. He gets all these goals. Life is good. But then when he goes on a stretch like this and he doesn't get any goals, uh, it can be concerning because, you know, he is, you know, not although not as expensive as Salah, he does cost a pretty penny. I believe it's 7.7 right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's something you got to avoid. Yeah, the thing is, like, you know, the second that you sell Jota, he's going to start scoring again. Cause that's that's because that's true. So if, if you don't like Jota, just don't sell him. And yeah. you'll curse him with no goals for the rest of his career. <laughs> I mean, if that, I mean, that's that's crabs in a bucket mentality. If I can't have the points, you can't have the points either. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Mane actually, I believe he broke the record for most, cons- like, I don't know how to say it, most consecutive you know what i'm talking about he scored basically talking about he scored uh in the in the last nine games he played against crystal palace oh wow okay yeah which is is pretty impressive yeah yeah obviously i think mane would hope that he can do that against more teams because you know to be honest he's looked pretty awful a shadow of his former self yeah i mean i think he does have a couple goals yeah, three goals, three assists, but that's come on to four point one two xg. That's just uh, that's yeah. not good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to touch on City Southampton briefly? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, it was not a good performance from City. They're a good team. They didn't have a good day. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how much more there is to say about it. Uh, it, it happens, you know. Yeah, it does happen, but do you have any inkling of, of a clue of as to why it happened? And Yeah, uh, Fernandinho uh, oh. did not play well. Mm, okay. Uh, Rodri was injured, actually, for the game, mm. as well as a few other players. And I think we really missed his uh, presence in the midfield Got it. and his ability to pass the ball, distribute it to all areas of the pitch. Mm. I think the city attack really missed that. Uh, just didn't look uh, didn't look very fluid at all, and I think that Rodri's absence was the biggest reason why. I see, I see. Um, other than that, um, I think the re-addition of Phil Foden and Kevin De Bruyne into City's team is is something to keep an eye on. Uh, for now, I think it's it's wise to steer clear of all City attackers. Yeah, I think the one I will say, De Bruyne. Uh, very soon, 
he will become a regular in the city team. He might be the only person other than maybe Grealish. I think Grealish has played just oh, about yeah. every minute of the frame so far. Yeah. But, you know, if I, I know it, it will be very difficult, given how many good premiums there are, to get the Bruyne into your team, seeing as it probably means missing out on someone like Salah or Lukaku or Ronaldo. Hmm. But I think De Bruyne is going to start getting a lot of points very soon. And if you want to be early on that, I'd get him in. Fair enough. Fair enough. One to watch. Um, sure. Let's see. West Ham won Man United 2. What a, a crazy, crazy situation at the end of the game. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that United kind of got robbed of at least one or two penalties. Um, so did West Ham. Wambasaka okay. just took out Suchek okay, for so a foul on Wambasaka. West Ham ended up getting their penalty, and uh, Mark Noble ended up missing it. I mean, I, I think both teams were robbed of penalty. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it happened. Yeah, I, I see you were, uh, earlier you were reading um, an article on The Athletic about uh, Premier League referees being more lenient. What'd you I was, yes. Uh, there's been a bit of a, a new uh, calibration, if you will on the severity of what uh it like the amount of contact it would take uh for a foul and i think that we've uh, been seeing that throughout the season so far uh especially with penalties you know there's uh, no longer the uh idea that there was when var was first introduced that if there's any penalty you spot any uh contact or excuse me if there's any contact that you can spot on the replay point of the spot uh, no longer they're uh, taking a lot of new things in mind, such as uh, the severity of contacts, whether the attacker was looking for it, and uh, other stuff like that. So I, I think that, in general, we'll see a lot more uh, play on and a lot less penalties. Yeah, I think it's... I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, it's something to get used to, for sure. I mean, you know, it's frustrating when your team doesn't get a penalty that they would have gotten in previous years. Yeah. But I, I think as a neutral, it's a good thing for the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it ought to satisfy the the old guard who often complains of uh, the game going too soft, quote unquote. Yeah, absolutely. I think the main takeaway from that game, though, is just how imp- impressive Ronaldo looked yet again. I believe he had a total of seven shots, and he was just popping, uh, popping up in in very dangerous positions throughout the whole game. Yeah, I was surprised you only got a goal, honestly. Yeah, he looked yeah. really good. Okay, I, I want to give a shout-out to, to Brighton. Brighton, I, uh, they're, uh, I think, fourth on the table, right? Ahead of City? Yeah, ahead of City. Very, very impressive. I, I mean, they're finally cashing in on their XG from last season, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think I said uh, last year that if they had someone like Erling Holland, a striker, <laughs> they'd be a Champions League team. Yeah. And, well, they don't have Holland, but they have goals. That's really all they need this season, and yeah. it's, it's paying off for them. Neil Maupai and Danny Welbeck stepping <laughs> up a gear. Yeah. I mean... I have to say, yeah, go ahead. I mean, to be honest, uh, neither of them has been particularly impressive to me. No. But they're getting the goals, and that's all Brighton asked for. So, there you go. Well, if Shane Duffy can keep scoring a goal every five games, that'll be brilliant. Um. Yeah, I also have to say the the Brighton um, admin on Twitter. Are you are you seeing the stuff they're they're doing there? I 
I mean, not, no, but I'll no, take a look well, at it right now. Yeah. Um, well, for those of you who don't know, the, the XG Philosophy is a Twitter account where they basically post the uh, XG um, expected goals of both teams in a match for, for the bigger games. And uh, for the Brighton game, um, the XG Philosophy tweeted their, uh, their XG, which was like 1.6 something. And then the Brighton admin goes, this is getting silly now. Because it's a, a well-known meme at this point that uh, last season Brighton severely underperformed. The if if a team uh, was uh, the embodiment of Gabriel Jesus, <laughs> Brighton, that's one way to put it. I think. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, and uh, finally, Spurs nil, Chelsea three. Um, what do you think? You know, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, the difference between uh, the first half and the second half. Mm. First half, uh, the first 30 minutes especially, I think Spurs were the better team, honestly. Mm-hmm. They were taking control over the really all areas of the pitch, but especially the, the midfield. And what I thought was even more interesting was the way that Tuchel responded. He noticed the problem, and he rectified it quickly. He wasn't afraid to, to make a sub. He brought Conte on. Conte shored things up. They scored three mm. goals. Simply, simply put, yeah, that's, I mean, Tuchel is, is just, I'm such a massive fan. In January, when he first came, he said he, he was going to build a team that nobody wants to play against. And I think, uh, truly, Chelsea is, is very much on the right path. Maybe even already that team that no one wants to play against. Well, they just won the Champions League, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, with Tuchel, you're always going to get uh, rotation. And uh, Marcus Alonso, I mean, how, how nailed do you think he is? I don't, I don't know if I can use the word nailed with Thomas Tuchel, but. Well, he's been playing well, but I, I think it, it is very surprising that Chilwell has barely gotten a minute. I think he got in this game. No. No. Or last game, maybe. Mm, One of them. The, in the Champions League. Champions League, okay. I mean, at, at this point, I think, I think it's possible that Alonso has some uh, – some damaging pictures of Tuchel because, mm. you know, just for Chilo not to play at all really yeah. su- surprises me because, you know, he's uh, a very good player as we've seen. And I, I think eventually Chilo is going to break into the team, but I think for the immediate future, Alonzo is a safe pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, elsewhere on Chelsea's back line, we have Rudiger. I think he's the only nailed one. Um, yeah, it's not gonna I, be... I'm probably going to get a Chelsea defender in Yeah, uh, when I make the double switch with Lukaku. Mm. And and we will touch on a Chelsea double switch yes. uh, later in the podcast. But Rudiger is probably going to be the, the man's pick just for his, his nailed on this. Yeah. Okay, and uh, for this episode, we're going to be bringing back our three questions segment from last season so uh, to kick things off um should we go big at the back i mean i think the answer is no simply put really i know there are a lot of good defensive options uh i think get trent maybe maybe i mean you know he's been very good i'm not completely convinced he's going to keep it up though uh, I mean, then again, as I as I say it, I th- I think the 
when you look at it just from a, a financial perspective. The difference between a Trent and a 4.5 is maybe the largest 3 million difference in the entire game. Mm. So I, I, I do think he is good value. But uh, beyond him, when you try when you start getting into the six, the five point five guys, maybe you have one of them, and then you have Trent, a five point five guy, and then a cheap guy, or a couple of cheap guys, and you can keep rotating the cheap guys. Yeah, I, I just think there's so much uh, quality uh, in the midfield and the strikers for this season that you just cannot afford to spend much on the defense. I. You make some good points, but I actually disagree with that. I think we should be going big at the, at the back. Really? Yes, specifically for Liverpool, Chelsea, and City. Um, all three teams have only conceded one goal thus far. Um, I think Trent is essential. He's going to stay in my team until game week 38, unless he has a very serious injury, uh, God forbid. Um, and, I mean, Chelsea's defense is just incredible. And... City, likewise, I believe they've allowed in the first, up until this point in the season, they've only allowed five shots on target, which is kind of obscene. Um, and, well, I think it, it depends on, I mean, first and foremost, for your FBL team, you need to decide how many and which premiums you're going to get. I think Salah is one of those. And at this moment, you need kind of need a premium striker, whether that be Ronaldo or Lukaku. And or from both. then on, it's it's your decision of whether or not you want to have three premiums or not. I know Jacob touched on De Bruyne. If he comes into form, it's going to be hard to ignore him. But if you only have two premiums, like I do right now, it's actually quite easy to fit in Trent, a Chelsea defender at 5.5, and either Cancelo or Diaz. And I, I think it's it's going to pay off in the long run. No, I, I completely agree with you in that a lot of these defenders are going to get consistent points. But I think when you look at the the value from a 5.5 to a 4.5 or 2.4, two 4.5s that you can kind of platoon for fixtures. Mm. Uh, like, I to be honest, I, I don't think that uh, Liverpool City and Chelsea are going to be able to keep up these records. Like Chelsea... Uh, they've given up, I believe, one goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've given up five XG. Liverpool, they've given up one goal, I believe. They've given up four XG. City, they've given up one goal. They've given up 2.5 XG. Uh, well, I, I do think that part of that, uh, the, the overperforming, is just the quality they have. I don't think it's completely sustainable. I think eventually you'll see that uh, the defense has become fallible, and at that point, then you're. I, th- I think the money will be better spent on cheaper defenders. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I I'm I'm still very bullish on the on the prospect of uh, getting the one defender from each team, but um, it, it's very possible that as the season goes on, as players get more fatigued, more rotation is going to come into play as well, which is kind of scary, especially if you're spending a lot of money. Yeah, obviously, uh, and I, th- I think this ties into the next question that we have. Okay. How strong should you make your bench when you wildcard? You know, uh, I think this season especially, we might see a lot of players come down with nagging injuries. Hmm. Uh, I mean, in my team right now, I have four players flagged. So 
I'm, I'm really going to need to rely on my bench because odds are uh, at least a couple of them will play. So I, I think that uh, you need to have quality assets on your bench. Yeah. Um, what about what about bench structure? Um, do you think all three should be playing? I would go with a 4.5 million striker. And then two serviceable other players. For me, that's a midfielder and defender. Mm-hmm. If that's two defenders, that's also fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, for what it's worth, I currently have uh, a 4.5 midfielder and uh, both Duffy and Livermento, which at this current moment, both of them seem to be pretty nailed. So it's pretty easy to just rotate between two of them. And I have no problem benching either of them. Um, and it's, I think this year, honestly, we have some, some great enablers in, uh, midfield and in defense, maybe not a forward, but then again, the, the forward options are always pretty scarce. Well, also forward might be the, the area that you want to go big this season, True. Given, you know, Ronaldo and Lukaku, as True. well as other players like, uh, Bamford, Antonio and the like. Yeah. So many factors to consider. Okay, and uh, for our last question, how out of our way should we go to target the league's worst defenses among them, uh, which are Norwich, Newcastle, Leeds, etc.? I mean, to be honest, I think that uh, bringing in players to target a a defense is not, in the long run, uh, the best strategy. You know, a lot is made of uh, these defenses, but I think really... Uh, the individual performance uh, varies from game to game at a level that you can't really predict it based on who they're playing. Uh, you know, you'll you'll probably get some decent results a lot of the time, but I think just stick to the players you have and uh, don't worry about it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, listeners from last last season will remember uh, hashtag Project Target Newcastle. Uh, and then Steve Bruce decided to become prime Sir Alex Ferguson. So um, anyway, I think in isolation, no, we should absolutely not target just bring in a player for the sake of uh, because they're playing against either Norwich or Newcastle or Leeds. But I think um, a lot of these teams have good fixture runs where Norwich, Newcastle, Leeds, Burnley, these teams are, they play these teams within the span of like five or six game weeks. And I think... Um, we should be looking out for those good fixture runs. And um, in that case, I think we should absolutely be jumping on players who face them. Oh, I, I completely agree. But the one thing I will say is that when you get players like that, I think you need to have enough confidence in them that if things, if your transfer plans change uh, over the course of those few weeks, yeah. that you would be comfortable keeping them in. Oh, yeah. Even if it's just as a, as a bench player. Mm-hmm. For uh, another, uh, you know, at least two or three games after after the next one. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point as well. Um. Okay, let's move on to game week six prep. First of all, let's talk about transfers. Um, any any moves that catch your eye for next week? Well, I think the big one off the back of this week's performance is uh, Ismaili Asar. I believe he put up 15 points yep. against Norwich. Uh, he's got two nice uh, fixtures next, Newcastle and Leeds. 
So I, I think, you know, obviously we just talked about, uh, like, don't go out of your way to target them. But I, I do think Sar is a player that could hurt any team and could hurt Newcastle and Leeds especially. True, true. Couldn't agree more. Uh, in fact, he's – I'm actually – I think I'm probably going to get him in, maybe even for uh, Jota because I think Jota has just been very underwhelming and Firmino's going to come back at some point. Um, I think the other option for – for even even if you still have your wild card is to bank a transfer um, so that you can get uh, two Chelsea players going into game week seven um, because they have a, a very kind fixture run. And uh, I think you're going to do Ronaldo to Lukaku and a 4.5 to a 5.5 from Chelsea, right? Yeah, yeah. Currently it is uh, planning to be uh, Lukaku and uh, Reese James. For uh, Ailing and Ronaldo, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, I like to get Sar in. I think Sar to or Jota to Sar is a, a good idea, but right now I I just can't. I am committed to sticking on this transfer strategy. I'm gonna see it through. Yeah, fair play. Um, are you still sold on Reese James though? You know, I mean, I I think we've seen that when he plays, he plays very well. That uh, red card notwithstanding, which is a bit ridiculous to be honest. Like that was just a freak incident. And he did get an assist that game, to be fair. So, you know. But I, I think he had an 18-pointer one week. He did. Yeah. You know, he, I mean, he just is a menace on that right flank. And I I would be very happy with him in my team. Another thing I, I want to mention is that when he doesn't start, he probably isn't going to be uh, subbed on. So then you'll get a, a bench player on which if you have a strong bench could be a, a nice thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think a question for, for each FPL manager to ponder for themselves is, uh, do you prefer someone who takes over who you can just leave in your team and, and won't be, won't have to worry about them, them playing um, in this case, Rudiger, or are you willing to take the risk and pick someone like Reese James or either Alonso or Chilwell, um, case dependent? Um, and obviously they're gonna get more hauls, but they're also gonna get uh, a lot more benchings. And I think probably at the end of the season, I think the fullbacks are gonna end up with more points. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, just the, the attacking returns from that, that position, are really just too hard to pass up for me. Yeah, especially because uh, Chelsea play a three four three with uh, wing backs who sometimes push up. Oh, to for them. sure, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, and finally, on to captaincy. Um, I think the message here is don't overthink it. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are two standout options: Ronaldo and Salah. Ronaldo's got a, a nice fixture. Uh, against Aston Villa at home. I think he has, what, four goals in three games? I'm sure I'll get another one. So just a, a really solid, reliable pick. High upside, low downside. Yeah, and then we have Salah who played Brentford away. Um, I'm I'm very surprised that, that Brentford have, have done so well. No offense to them. Um, you know, plaudits to, to Thomas Frank. But... 
I think this might be the week where Liverpool absolutely expose Brentford's defense. Yeah, it's very possible. Um, you know, Brentford, I think they've only given up two goals. Really? Yeah. Out of an XGA of uh, 3.37, which is actually the second lowest in the in the division. Crazy. It's pretty remarkable. Oh, my gosh. Just behind City. Wow. So, you know, I, I think it's very plausible that the, the floodgates could come off. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I, I could see a, a stout defensive performance from Brentford. When the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. I think Sal is gonna Sal is gonna come out on top with this one. He always finds a way. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, rogue shout, Harry Kane, Harry Kane. If you if you somehow own him instead of Lukaku or Ronaldo, he he loves himself a goal in the North London derby. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it is uh, worth pointing out that the Arsenal of uh, of now are not the same Arsenal. As the Arsenal of a couple of weeks ago, I on this on this platform have done my fair share of uh, disrespecting Arsenal, but I I do think that we have to hand it to him uh, a couple of uh, really inspired wins over the last couple of weeks uh, against Burnley and Norwich. You know, I mean, they just really showed real uh, inspiration, real heart, real passion in those games, just to pull out pull a, pull out a victory against some of the, you know, some, some tough teams that they came, came up against, really gave them some problems, but they picked their spots. And to be honest, I think they'll deliver another decent performance against Spurs. I mean, yeah, fair play to them. But at the same time, traditionally, if you go back four or five years to when uh, Arsene Wenger was still manager, they would be, the expectation was for Arsenal to trample over teams like Burnley and Norwich. And now, I mean, the state of the club now is that, they have to really grind out results against these really, like, really no offense, but bottom half, bottom tier teams is kind of, you know, I, maybe we, we need to manage our expectations for Arsenal now. You know, I, I think, well, that is true. Like, you know, Burnley and North are grindy teams, and I think the only way to, to win against them is to grind yourself. Maybe, maybe. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if, if City or Chelsea or Liverpool play them, they're going to get trampled. I mean, yeah, there's no no doubt about that, but I don't think it's fair to Arsenal to compare them to someone like like City or Liverpool. You know, they, they just don't have the, the player quality uh, in really any area of the pitch to, to match up with those teams. So I think that, you know, just looking at the roster they have, I, I was really, really impressed by their performances. Fair, fair. Okay, that's it for this episode of the FPL Fortress. Looking forward to next week's blockbuster fixture between Chelsea and Man City. I think that game is sure to provide us with a better indicator of uh, who has a better chance of winning the league, as well as which team has the better FPL options. Uh, Wishing everyone a healthy Green Arrow.